section thirty seven part two of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter thirty seven part two as for poor manon she became the subject of universal criticism nor did opinion any longer run dead in her favour it divided into two broad currents and strange to relate the majority of her own sex took her part and the males were but equally divided which hardly happens once in a hundred years perhaps some lady will explain the phenomenon as for me i am a little shy of explaining things i don't understand it has become so common meantime had she been a lover of notoriety she would have been happy for the town talked of nothing but her the poor girl however had but one wish to escape the crowd that followed her and hide her head somewhere where she could cry over her pandar whom all these proceedings brought vividly back to her affectionate remembrance before he was hanged he had threatened her life but she was not one of your fastidious girls who love their male divinities any the less for beating them kicking them or killing them but rather the better provided these attentions are interspersed with occasional caresses so it would have been odd indeed had she taken offence at a mere threat of that sort he had never threatened her with a rival she sobbed single-mindedly meantime the inn was filled with thirsters for a sight of her who feasted and drank to pass away the time till she should deign to appear when she had been sobbing some time there was a tap at her door and the landlord entered with a proposal nay weep not good lass your fortune it is made and you like say the word and you are chambermaid of the white heart nay nay said manon with a fresh burst of grief never more will i be a servant in an inn i'll go to my mother the landlord consoled and coaxed her and she became calmer but none the less determined against his proposal the landlord left her but ere long he returned and made her another proposal would she be his wife and landlady of the white heart you do ill to mock me said she sorrowfully nay sweetheart i mock thee not i am too old for sorry jests say you the word and you are my partner for better for worse she looked at him and saw he was in earnest on this she suddenly rained hard to the memory of le pondar the tears came in a torrent being the last and she gave her hand to the landlord of the white heart and broke a gold crown with him in sign of plighted troth we will keep it dark till the house is quiet said the landlord ay said she but meantime prithee give me linen to hem or work to do for the time hangs on me like lead her betrothed's eyes brightened at this housewifely request 
and he brought her up two dozen flagons of various sizes to clean and polish she gathered complacency as she reflected that by a strange turn of fortune all this bright pewter was to be hers meantime the landlord went downstairs and falling in with our friends drew them aside into the bar he then addressed anya with considerable solemnity we are old acquaintances and you want not for sagacity now advise me in a straight my custom is somewhat declining this girl manon is the talk of the town see how full the inn is to-night she doth refuse to be my chambermaid i have half a mind to marry her what think you shall i say the word Donya, in reply merely opened his eyes wide with amazement the landlord turned to gerard with a half inquiring look nay sir says gerard i am too young to advise my seniors and betters no matter let us hear your thought well sir it was said of a good wife by the ancients bene quae latuit bene vixit that is she is the best wife that is least talked of but here male quae patuit were as near the mark therefore an you bear the last good will why not club purses with donna and me and convey her safe home with a dowry then mayhap some rustical person in her own place may be brought to wife her why so many words said donna this old fox is not the ass he affects to be oh that is your advice is it said the landlord testily well then we shall soon know who is the fool you or me for i have spoken to her as it happens and what is more she has said i and she is polishing the flagons at this moment oh ho said donna dryly twas an ambuscade well in that case my advice is run for the notary tie the noose and let us three drink the bride's health till we see six sots a tippling and shall i now you utter sense in ten minutes a civil marriage was effected upstairs before a notary and his clerk and our two friends in ten minutes more the white hind dead sick of seclusion had taken her place within the bar and was serving out liquids and bustling and her colour rising a little in six little minutes more she soundly rated a careless servant-girl for carrying a nipperkin of wine awry and spilling good liquor during the evening she received across the bar eight offers of marriage some of them from respectable burghers now the landlord and our two friends had in perfect innocence ensconced themselves behind a screen to drink at their ease the new couple's health the above comedy was thrown in for their entertainment by bounteous fate they heard the proposals made one after another and an inventive manon's invariable answer serviteur you are a day after the fair the landlord chuckled and looked good-natured superiority at both his late advisers with their traditional notions that men shun a woman quae patuit that is who has become the town talk but donna scarce noticed the spouse's triumph over him he was so occupied with his own over gerard at each municipal tender of undying affection he turned almost purple with the effort it cost him not to roar with glee and driving his elbow into the deep meditating and much puzzled pupil of antiquity whispered le peur que sont les hommes 
the next morning gerard was eager to start but Donya was under a vow to see the murderers of the golden-haired girl executed gerard respected his vow but avoided his example he went to bid the cure farewell instead and sought and received his blessing about noon the travellers got clear of the town just outside the south gate they passed the gallows it had eight tenants the skeleton of manon's late wept and now being fast forgotten lover and the bodies of those who had so nearly taken our travellers lives a hand was nailed to the beam and hard by on a huge wheel was clawed the dead landlord with every bone in his body broken to pieces gerard averted his head and hurried by Donya lingered and crowed over his dead foes times are changed my lads since we two sat shaking in the cold awaiting you seven to come and cut our throats fie Donya, death squares all reckonings prithee pass on without another word if you prize my respect a groat to this earnest remonstrance Donya yielded he even said thoughtfully you have been better brought up than i about three in the afternoon they reached a little town with the people buzzing in knots the wolves starved by the cold had entered and eaten two grown-up persons overnight in the main street so some were blaming the eaten none but fools or knaves are about after nightfall others the law for not protecting the town and others the corporation for not enforcing what laws there were bah this is nothing to us said Danya, and was for resuming their march ay but tis remonstrated gerard what are we the pair they ate no but we may be the next pair ay neighbour said an ancient man tis the town's fault for not obeying the ducal ordinance which bids every shopkeeper light a lamp o'er his door at sunset and burn it till sunrise on this Donya asked him somewhat derisively what made him fancy rush dips would scare away empty wolves why mutton fat is all their joy tis not the fat vain man but the light all ill things hate light especially wolves and the imps that lurk i ween under their fur example paris city stands in a wood like and the wolves do howl around it all night yet of late years wolves come but little in the streets for why in that burg the watchmen do thunder at each door that is dark and make the weary wight rise in light tis my son tells me he is a great voyager my son nicholas in further explanation he assured them that previously to that ordinance no city had been worse infested with wolves than paris a troop had boldly assaulted the town in fourteen twenty and in fourteen thirty eight they had eaten fourteen persons in a single month between montmartre and the gate st antoine and that not a winter month even but september and as for the dead which nightly lay in the streets slain in midnight brawls or assassinated the wolves had used to devour them and to grub up the fresh graves in the churchyards and tear out the bodies here a thoughtful citizen suggested that probably the wolves had been bridled of late in paris not by candlelights but owing to the english having been driven out of the kingdom of france for those english be very wolves themselves for fierceness and greediness what marvel then that under their rule our neighbours of france should be wolf-eaten this logic was too suited to the time and place not to be received with acclamation 
but the old man stood his ground i grant ye those islanders are wolves but two-legged ones and little apt to favour their four-footed cousins one greedy thing loveth it another i trow not by the same token and this too i have from my boy nicole sir wolf dare not show his nose in london city though tis smaller than paris and thick woods hard by the north wall and therein great store of deer and wild boars as rife as flies at midsummer sir said gerard you seem conversant with wild beasts prithee advise my comrade here and me we would not waste time on the road and if we may go forward to the next town with reasonable safety young man i trow twere an idle risk it lacks but an hour of dusk and you must pass nigh a wood where lurk some thousands of these half-starved vermin rank cowards single but in great bands bold as lions wherefore i read you sojourn here the night and journey on betimes by the dawn the vermin will be tired out with roaring and rampaging and mayhap will have filled their lank bellies with flesh of my good neighbours here the unteachable fools gerard hoped not and asked could he recommend them to a good inn humph there is the tete d'or my granddaughter keeps it she is a majore but not so knavish as most hotel-keepers and her house indifferent clean hey for the tete d'or struck in donia decided by his ineradicable foible on the way to it gerard inquired of his companion what a mijore was donia laughed at his ignorance not know what a mijore is why all the world knows that it is neither more nor less than a mijore as they entered the tete d'or they met a young lady richly dressed with a velvet chaperon on her head which was confined by law to the nobility they unbonneted and louded low and she curtsied but fixed her eye on vacancy the while which had a curious rather than a genial effect however nobility was not so unassuming in those days as it is now so they were a little surprised but the next minute supper was served and lo in came this princess and carved the goose holy c'est bavant cried gerard twas the landlady all the while a young woman cursed with nice white teeth and lovely hands for these beauties being misallied to homely features had turned her head she was a feeble carver carving not for the sake of others but herself that is to display her hands when not carving she was eternally either taking a pin out of her head or her body or else putting a pin into her head or her body to display her teeth she laughed indifferently at gay or grave and from ear to ear and she sat at ease with her mouth ajar now there is an animal in creation of no great general merit but it has the eye of a hawk for affectation it is called a boy and gerard was but a boy still in some things swift to see and to loathe affectation so donia sat casting sheep's eyes and gerard daggers at one comedian presently in the midst of her madauderie she gave a loud shriek and bounded out of her chair like hare from form and ran backwards out of the room uttering little screams and holding her farthingale tight down to her ankles with both hands and as she scuttled out of the door a mouse scuttled back to the wainscot in a state of equal and perhaps more reasonable terror the guests who had risen in anxiety at the principal yell now stood irresolute a while then sat down laughing the tender donia to whom a woman's cowardice being a sexual trait seemed to be a lovely and pleasant thing said he would go comfort her and bring her back nay 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 for pity's sake let her bide 
cried gerard earnestly o blessed mouse sure some saint sent thee to our aid now at his right hand sat a sturdy middle-aged burgher whose conduct up to date had been cynical he had never budged nor even rested his knife at all this fracas he now turned on gerard and inquired haughtily whether he really thought that grimasserie was afraid of a mouse ay she screamed hardy where is the coquette that cannot scream to the life these she tavern-keepers do still ape the nobles some princess or duchess hath lain here a night that was honestly afeard of a mouse having been brought up to it and this ape hath seen her and said i will start at a mouse and make a coil she has no more right to start at a mouse than to wear that fur on her bosom and that velvet on her monkey's head i am of the town young man and have known the mijerie all her life and i mind when she was no more afeard of a mouse than she is of a man he added that she was fast emptying the inn with these singeries all the world is so sick of her hands that her very kinsfolk will not venture themselves anigh them he concluded with something like a sigh the ted door was a thriving hostelry under my old chum her good father but she is digging its grave tooth and nail tooth and nail good a right merry conceit and a true said gerard but the right merry conceit was an inadvertence as pure as snow and the stout burgher went to his grave and never knew what he had done for just then attention was attracted by donya returning pompously he inspected the apartment minutely and with a high official air he also looked solemnly under the table and during the whole inquisition a white hand was placed conspicuously on the edge of the open door and a tremulous voice inquired behind it whether the horrid thing was quite gone the enemy has retreated bag and baggage said donya and handed in the trembling fair who sitting down apologized to her guest for her foolish fears with so much earnestness grace and seeming self-contempt that but for a sour grin on his neighbour's face gerard would have been taken in as all the other strangers were dinner ended the young landlady begged an augustan friar at her right hand to say grace he delivered a longish one the moment he began she clapped her white hands piously together and held them up joined for mortals to admire tis an excellent pose for taper white fingers and cast her eyes upward towards heaven and felt as thankful to it as a magpie does while cutting off with your thimble after supper the two friends went to the street door and eyed the market-place the mistress joined them and pointed out the town hall the borough jail st catherine's church etc this was courteous to say the least but the true cause soon revealed itself the fair hand was poked right under their eyes every time an object was indicated and gerard eyed it like a basilisk and longed for a bunch of nettles the sun set and the travellers few in number drew round the great roaring fire and omitting to go on the spit were frozen behind the roasted in front for if the german stoves were oppressively hot the french salles manger were bitterly cold and above all stormy in germany men sat bareheaded round the stove and took off their upper clothes but in burgundy they kept on their hats and put on their warmest furs to sit round the great open chimney-places at which the external air rushed furiously from door and ill-fitting window however it seems their mediaeval backs were broad enough to bear it for they made themselves not only comfortable but merry and broke harmless jests over each other in turn for instance donya's new shoes though not in direct communication had this day exploded with twin-like sympathy and unanimity 
where do you buy your shoon soldier asked one donya looked askance at gerard and not liking the theme shook it off i gather em off the trees by the roadside said he surlily then you gather these too ripe said the hostess who was only a fool externally ay rotten ripe observed another inspecting them gerard said nothing but pointed the circular satire by pantomime he slyly put out both his feet one after another under donya's eye with their german shoes on which a hundred leagues of travel had produced no effect they seemed hewn out of rock at this i'll twist the smooth varlet's neck that sold me mine shouted donya in huge wrath and confirmed the threat with singular oaths peculiar to the mediaeval military the landlady put her fingers in her ears thereby exhibiting the hand in a fresh attitude tell me when he has done his horizons somebody said she mincingly and after that they fell to telling stories gerard when his turn came told the adventure of donya and gerard at the inn in Damfranc, and so well that the hearers were wrapped into sweet oblivion of the very existence of mejorie and hans but this made her very uneasy and she had recourse to her grand coup this misdirected genius had for a twelvemonth past practised yawning and could do it now at any moment so naturally as to set all creation gaping could all creation have seen her by this means she got in all her charms for first she showed her teeth and utter good breeding you know closed her mouth with three taper fingers so the moment gerard's story got too interesting and absorbing she turned to and made yawns and craw sur la bouche this was all very fine but gerard was an artist and artists are chilled by gaping auditors he bore up against the yawns a long time but finding they came from a bottomless reservoir lost both heart and temper and suddenly rising in mid-narrative said but i weary our hostess and i am tired myself so good-night whipped a candle off the dresser whispered donya i cannot stand it and marched to bed in a moment the mijorie coloured and bit her lips she had not intended her by play for gerard's eye and she saw in a moment she had been rude and silly and publicly rebuked she sat with cheek on fire and a little natural water in her eyes and looked ten times comelier and more womanly and interesting than she had done all day the desertion of the best narrator broke up the party and the unassuming donya approached the meditative mijorie and invited her in the most flattering terms to gamble with him she started from her reverie looked him down into the earth's centre with chilling dignity and consented for she remembered all in a moment what a show of hands gambling admitted the soldier and the mejorie rattled the dice in which sport she was so taken up with her hands that she forgot to cheat and donya won an ecu au soleil of her she fumbled slowly with her purse partly because her sex do not burn to pay debts of honour partly to admire the play of her little knuckles peeping between their soft white cushions donya proposed a compromise three silver francs i win of you fair hostess give me now three kisses of this white hand and we'll e'en cry quits you are malapert said the lady with a toss of her head besides they are so dirty see they are like ink and to convince him she put them out to him and turned them up and down they were no dirtier than cream fresh from the cob and she knew it she was eternally washing and scenting them 
donya read the objection like the observant warrior he was seized them and mumbled them finding him so appreciative of her charm she said timidly will you do me a kindness good soldier a thousand fair hostess and you will nay i ask but one tis to tell thy comrade i was right sorry to lose his most thrilling story and i hope he will tell me the rest to-morrow morning meantime i shall not sleep for thinking aunt wilt tell him that to pleasure me ay i'll tell the young savage but he is not worthy of your condescension sweet hostess he would rather be aside a man than a woman any day so would ahem he is right the young women of the day are not worthy of him en ta des he has a good honest and right comely face anyway i would not guest of mine should think me unmannerly not for all the world wilt keep faith with me and tell him on this fair hand i swear it and thus i seal the pledge there no need to melt the wax though now go to bed and tell him ere you sleep the perverse toad i thank thee manon for teaching me that word was inclined to bestow her slight affections upon gerard not that she was inflammable far less so than many that passed for prudes in the town but gerard possessed a triple attraction that has ensnared coquettes in all ages one he was very handsome two he did not admire her the least three he had given her a good slap in the face Donya woke gerard and gave the message gerard was not enchanted dost wake a tired man to tell him that am i to be pestered with mesjarie by night as well as day but i tell thee novice thou hast conquered her trust to my experience her voice sank to melodious whispers and the cunning jay did in a manner bribe me to carry thee her challenge to love's lists for so i read her message donya then assuming the senior and the man of the world told gerard the time was come to show him how a soldier understood friendship and camaraderie italy was now out of the question fate had provided better and the blind jade fortune had smiled on merit for once the head of gold had been a prosperous inn would be again with a man at its head a good general laid far-sighted plans but was always ready to abandon them should some brilliant advantage offer and to reap the full harvest of the unforeseen twas chiefly by this trait great leaders defeated little ones for these latter could do nothing not cut and dried beforehand sorry friendship that would marry me to a mejarie interposed gerard yawning comrade be reasonable tis not the friskiest sheep that falls down the cliff all creatures must have their fling soon or late and why not a woman what more frivolous than a kitten what graver than a cat hast a good eye for nature donya said gerard that i proclaim a better for thine interest boy trust then to me these little doves they are my study day and night happy the man whose wife taketh her fling before wedlock and who trippeth up the altar steps instead of down em marriage it always changes them for better or else for worse why gerard she is honest when all is done and he is no man nor half a man that cannot mould any honest lass like a bit of warm wax and she i beside him at bed and board i tell thee in one month thou wilt make of this coquette the matron the most sober in the town and of all its wives the one most docile and submissive why she is half tamed already nine in ten meek and mild ones had gently hated thee 
like poison all their lives for wounding of their hidden pride but she for an affront proffers affection by joshua his bugle a generous lass and void of petty malice when thou wast gone she sat a-thinking and spoke not a sure sign of love in one of her sex for of all things else they speak ere they think also her voice did sink exceeding low in discoursing of thee and murmured sweetly another infallible sign the bolt hath struck and rankles in her oh be joyful art silent i see tis settled i shall go alone to vermirement alone and sad but pillage and poleaxes what care i for that since my dear comrade will stay here landlord of the tete d'or and safe from all the storms of life wilt think of me gerard now and then by thy warm fire of me camped on some windy heath or lying in wet trenches or wounded on the field and far from comfort nay and this he said in a manner truly noble not comfortless or cold or wet or bleeding twill still warm my heart to lie on my back and think that i have placed my dear friend and comrade true in the tete door far from a soldier's ills i let you run on dear donna said gerard softly because at each word you show me the treasure of a good heart but now bethink thee my troth is plighted there where my heart it clingeth you so leal would you make me disloyal perdition seize me but i forgot that said donna no more then but hide thee to bed good donna next to margaret i love thee best on earth and value thy coeur d'or far more than a dozen of these tet d'or so prithee call me at the first blush of rosy-fingered morn and let's away ere the woman with the hands be stirring they rose with the dawn and broke their fast by the kitchen fire donna inquired of the girl whether the mistress was about nay but she hath risen from her bed by the same token i am carrying her this to clean her withal and she filled a jug with boiling water and took it upstairs behold said gerard the very elements must be warmed to suit her skin what had the saint said which still chose the coldest pool away ere she come down and catch us they paid the score and left the tet door while its mistress was washing her hands End of chapter 37, part 2